Uh, my name is Sang Woo, and I am one of the leaders of the church, and it's an absolute honor and privilege to be able to share the Word of God with you guys this morning. Today's passage comes from Luke chapter 15, 11 to 32. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set up for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead, and he's alive again. He was lost, and he's found. Amen. The parable of the lost son. Um, it's probably one of the most famous parables, if not the most famous parable in all of the Bible. Now, as the, unlike the title suggests, there isn't just one lost son. There's actually two. And though it looks like on the outside, they're completely different people. Jesus is teaching us that they are equally identically lost in the inside. And they're both unable to find their way back to the Father. Because they have replaced the Father with something else or someone else. The younger son was lost in the world. The older son was lost in himself. Two completely different people on the outside living completely different lives, yet both completely identically lost. Yet the father waits for them both. So the title of today's sermon is Lost and Found. And through this famous parable, we are going to see how we can be lost when we replace God with something or someone else and how we can only be found by Jesus. So let's start with the youngest son, the first point, lost in the world. 
Verse 12. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Right from the start, we see that Jesus is showing us where the heart of this younger son lies. Here is the younger son going up to his very much alive father and saying, Father, I want your inheritance. Now imagine if you guys went to your mom and dad, who are very much alive today. You went home and said, hey mom, hey dad, can I have my inheritance today? What do you think the response would be? (laughs) Something like that. But we have to understand the context of the parable and who the original audience of Jesus was. So the majority of the people that Jesus was telling this parable to, they were Jews, Middle Eastern people from the first century. And in their culture, you would ever inherit your father's things once the father had died. So what this younger son was saying was, he went to his father and he's saying, Father, I want you to die so I can have your things. Right? Father, die so I can have your things. And according to the Jewish cultures and traditions of the day, this was punishable by death. So we can see straight from the beginning that this son didn't want the father at all. He just wanted his things. He never wanted a relationship with the father. He just wanted the wealth that came with his inheritance. So verse 13, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set up for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Now once the younger son received the father's belonging, It didn't take him long to get all his stuff, all his money, all his wealth, and he left. He completely turned his back on the father and left. And where did he go? He went to a distant country, and this is referring to a Gentile land, a land of non-believers, a land of the world. He had replaced the father with the world. He had put his faith in the things of this world. See, the world has now become his idol. He has become his God. But the world does not make a good God because everything in it is broken and nothing in the world lasts forever. Everything in the world has a use-by date. If we put our faith in something that is broken, something that is temporary, then we will be lost as well. Just like the youngest son's wealth, the things of this world, money, power, status, admiration, houses, cars, clothes, jewelry, you name it, none of these things can completely make you whole. It can all be gone in a second. We may think if we get that promotion, we get that car, or we get that house, or we get that husband, or we get that wife, we will be complete, and we will never need anything else, that we will be happy forever. But this is just not the case. I bought a car recently. I actually ordered like a year ago. It just recently came. It's the world we're living in right now. And the smell of a new car. Oh, you guys know, right? It's amazing. You keep it nice and clean, right? And you never let anyone dirty it. Even your wife. She was hungry. She's not eating in the car, (laughs) right? But in a couple of months' time, what happens? 
the feeling you have for the car. Is that the same? No. It's not new anymore, is it? And the next thing I know, I'm looking at my back seat and I'm seeing my dog vomiting in the back seat. But I just don't care because I'm on to the next one already. I want the bigger one, the more luxurious one, the faster one. You see, we are always on to the next thing, the next clothes, the next phone, next shoes, next partner. We are always searching for that next thing because we can never be content with the world. We have a hole inside us that cannot be filled with anything or anyone in this world. We will always want more and more and more and more. Verse 14. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. See how quickly the younger son's circumstances have changed. He was no longer wealthy. And to make things worse, there was a severe famine in the whole country. This son who thought that he didn't need anything other than the father's inheritance, other than the wealth of the world, he began to be in need. You see, the famine represents things that are out of our control. We try to control our circumstances by planning, by saving, by exercising, eating well. And we feel secure because we have dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's. But this is a false security because there are always things that happen that are beyond our control. Like the weather. If I could choose a weather on the day that I preach, it would not be 36 degrees (laughs) boiling hot. What about natural disasters? What about world recession? Global pandemics? Sickness? What about death? If we place our trust in our plans and not God's plans, if we turn our back on our Father, we will feel anxious and we will feel worried. When? Not if, but when? It doesn't go according to our plans. There is no security when we replace the father with the world. And this is exactly what happened to the youngest son. He thought the world would give him fulfillment, but he left him with nothing. After turning his back on the father, this son was completely lost. Verses 15 to 16. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When his wealth had let him down and his plans didn't pan out, instead of turning back to the father like he should have, he put his trust in the world again. But this time, it wasn't in something. It was in someone. He went to a person to save him to help him get him out of that situation. And this is also something that we can easily do. You see, we make someone else in our lives our God. It could be your spouse. It could be your kids. It could be your friends, parents, family. It could be your boss. But how does that work out for everyone? I've been married for seven years. I have been guilty of putting this kind of burden on my wife. You see, I expected her to understand me about everything. I expected her to love me unconditionally, even when I was unlovable. I expected her to always be there for me, to fix all my problems. I basically expected her to be perfect, to be God. But people cannot be God because every single person 
in this world, they are broken and they are sinful. This doesn't mean you can't lean on someone for comfort and for assistance. No, on the contrary, it is very, very, very important to have a good community around you. But replacing God with someone else who is also broken and a sinner just like you, that will never fill that hole that's inside you. And this is what the younger son recognized. And where did he end up? He found himself in a Gentile country working for a Gentile person, feeding pigs and longing to eat the pigs' foods. Now, this would have brought a gasp from the original audience of Jesus because pigs, they represented, they, they were literally the dirtiest animals, right? The unclean, most unclean animal. We're talking about sin. The pigs represented sin. Not only was it unbelievable that this younger son has scooped to the level of asking a foreigner, asking a Gentile for help, but now he's working for them with pigs? Jesus is pointing out here how low this son has fallen, how deep in sin he was. This was as low as it could go in the eyes of a Jewish person. What a picture! The one's cocky, rich, younger son who had asked his dad for his inheritance and his identity was tied to his wealth, now rolling in the mud in a Gentile land with the most unclean and sinful animal on the planet starving to death. A picture of one who is unable to find his way back to the Father. A very clear picture of someone who was lost. So if this was a younger son, who was lost in the world. What about the older, older brother, the oldest son? The second point is lost in self-righteousness. Verse 25. Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. Not exactly a picture of a lost son, right? Where was the oldest son? He was in the field. This is talking about he was working. You know, He was sweating, toiling away for his father. From the outside, it looks like this is a perfect model son, doesn't it? A big contrast between the youngest son, and we know what he did, and the oldest son, who stayed with the father, and he's working hard. It doesn't look like he's lost at all, does it? But when he finds out that his younger brother had returned, and his father had killed a fattened calf to celebrate, the oldest son's demeanor changes. Verses 27 28. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. He becomes angry, like angry, angry, and he refuses to join the celebration. Now, meat back in those days, that was a delicacy. People didn't have meat normally, right? And a calf, like beef, like beef, beef, that's, it was like the top of the top of the top, right? You only ever killed a fattened calf if you were having the ultimate celebration. You would invite everyone from your neighborhood. Everyone from your village, village would be invited to join this celebration, right? It's probably the biggest celebration of this father's life. But for the older son to not go in, to not enter and join in that celebration, that was also the biggest insult he could give to his father. He was basically saying, Father, you're not my dad no more. 
this was also punishable by death. So you see, the youngest son and the oldest son, both of them have committed sins against the father, which warranted death. But why was the oldest son so angry? Why? Verses 29 and 30. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your wealth, your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. We see here that he was angry because he could not understand why the father would not only welcome this son back, this wretched human being, but also have the biggest celebration in his life on his return. And to make things worse, the father never gave him anything, not even a goat. You see, his words, his anger, his judgmental attitude shows why he is lost. See, on the outside, he looks like the perfect son, but in the inside, this was just not the case. You see, he too, like the younger son, also just wanted the father's things. He never wanted the father. But the difference between the younger one and the older son is the older son actually believed that unlike the younger son, who he thought was sinful and evil and deserved nothing, the older son, he believed that he was good enough to have earned the rights to the father's things. He had worked hard enough. He had served the father well enough. And he was worthy enough to receive everything. And he was righteous enough to be the father's son. You see, he was self-righteous. This older son's self-righteousness and belief that he was not like the younger son and he was not a sinner because of his good actions made him become lost because his self-righteousness replaced the father. His own goodness had become his own God. And he too believed he did not need the Father anymore. Why do we attend church? Why do we serve? Why do we tithe, read the Bible, pray, and do all these good things? Is it out of love for our Father, who loved us and saved us when we did not deserve anything? Or, Are we doing these things to be rewarded for our efforts? Are we trying to earn our rights to be the children of God? Do we feel like we deserve reward because of how hard we have tried and how good we are? Or on the flip side, do we do any of these things because we're scared? We're scared that if we do not, then God will abandon us that He will not save us, that our good works is the only thing that is stopping us from being struck down. Do we think our good works is good enough for us to be declared righteous? If this is the case, then we are lost as well because we can never be good enough, we can never be righteous enough to deserve to be the children of God. So we see from these two sons that we are lost whether we chase the world, like the younger son, or whether we believe in our own righteousness, like the older son. 
Two completely different sons on the outside, one bad, one good, one who left the father's house, one who stayed. Two completely identical sons in the inside, though. Both after the father's things and not the father. Both having replaced the father with something else. Both lost. And where are we? Are we like the youngest son? Or are we like the oldest son? Or anywhere in between? But there is hope. Even though both sons have sinned against the father and deserve to die, the father went to both sons. Verse 28, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. Even when the older son refused to go into the banquet, even when he insulted his father and deserved to be punished, deserved death, the father came out to meet him. He came out to ask him, come in. Come in and be part of the family again. Come in, be in relationship with me as my son. Even when we are lost in our self-righteousness, God continues to wait for us. He's waiting for us to return to Him. He's calling us, inviting us to return to Him. Verse 31. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. You see, God is reminding us that we are His children, not because we are good, but because he is. And what about the youngest son? Verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The father was patiently waiting for his youngest son to return home, to return to him. And when he saw the youngest son still a long way off, what did this father do? He was filled with compassion for him. And he ran. He ran to his youngest son. This son who had asked him to die so he could have his things. This son who had wasted all of the wealth on reckless and sinful living. This son who worked under Gentiles and ate with pigs. This son who was an absolute broken, sinful mess. The father ran to him. Fathers did not run back in those days. Slaves did. Servants did. He was too beneath the father to run. But this son ran to this sinful son. Back in the culture of the days, the culture was to stay away from sin. It made absolutely no sense whatsoever. No sense at all. And it makes no sense, none, that God is patiently waiting for us. He is waiting for us to return to Him. Us who are lost in the world, us who are lost in our self-righteousness, us who are anywhere in between. He is waiting for us to come back to Him. He is waiting to run to us, to hug us, to kiss us, to forgive us, and to call us his sons and daughters again, found once again. But then how are we found? 
How is this possible? How can someone like us be found? And we go to our final point. We're found by Jesus. You see, we have a true older brother. One who God the Father sent to find us. And like the younger son, this older brother left the father's side, left the father's home, his home, to go to a foreign land, a land full of Gentiles, a land full of non-believers, and a land full of sinners. But unlike the younger son, this older brother didn't leave because he wanted the father's things. He already had absolutely everything. He was in perfect relationship with the father, but he left and he lost everything. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 to 8. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Our true older brother, Jesus Christ, came looking for us in that foreign country. He came looking for us in the pigsty where no one else came. He came for us when we were in need. He came to look for us, to find us, to show us the way back to the Father and back to the Father's house where there will be a celebration with a fattened cow upon our return. But not only that, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, co-eternal, the one who was and is and always will be our Lord and our Saviour, He became the fattened cow. He became the sacrifice needed so his younger brothers and sisters could once again return to the Father's house. His sacrifice on the cross saved us. Verse 22. But the Father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, just like the robe covered the sin and shame of the younger brother. And the ring was a symbol a symbol of a child of the Father. Jesus' blood covered our sin. His blood covered our shame. And the cross He bore became a symbol for our identity as a child of God. Through His sacrifice and death, we were found. God our Father sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to find us and to help us return back to Him. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We were unable to find our way. Jesus became our way. We were confused about our personal identity. Jesus showed us the truth. The truth that we do not deserve anything, but through Him, we can have everything by having the identity as God's sons and daughters. And Jesus found us, us who were lost. He gave us life from lost to found, from death to life. So how do we respond? We humble ourselves and repent. 
Like the youngest son, we must come to our senses. We must humble ourselves and we must repent. We must understand that we do not deserve anything. For everything that has been given to us, including our identity as His children, is by the grace of God alone. How can we be boastful? How can we be arrogant when we believe that even though we deserve nothing, we have been given everything? And in humility, we must repent. To repent means you stop doing what is wrong and you start doing what is right. This doesn't mean perfection. But actually, the first thing we must stop doing is think we can be perfect. Just like the younger son came to his senses once he realized that he had sinned against the father and he was not worthy enough to be called his son, we must understand that we have missed the mark and we have sinned against the holy God. We are sinners who will continue to sin. We will never be able to meet the holy standards of God because we are just too broken. So when we repent, we are acknowledging our need for God's forgiveness and for His grace. Secondly, we respond by humbling ourselves and going to the Father. Once we have come to our senses and realize how broken we are and how sinful we are, we must get up and go to the Father just as we are. We cannot think we will ever be good enough to work our way back to God on our own merit. The younger son had a grand plan, and that was to become the father's servant, to pay him back. But this cannot be our attitude because this kind of thinking will only make us become lost in our self-righteousness, just like the older brother. Do not think we can only go to God when we have everything together because we never will. This type of thinking leads us to be lost. We can never think that we are going to be good enough for God. We must humble ourselves and realize we can never be good enough. Are you waiting to give your life to Christ only after you stop doing something or only after you start doing something? Is there something holding you back from going to the Father some addiction or guilt or past or present. No, friends, Jesus died for us so that we can go back to the God. We can go back to our Father just as we are. God doesn't want us to be a better person. He wants us to be a brand new one in Jesus Christ. And we can only truly become new when we are with God. Because when we are with God, we start to change from the inside out. Our heart changes and we stop living for ourselves and we start to live for God in gratitude because we understand His grace. We stop trying to be good to be saved. We try to do good because we have been saved. So humble yourself. Understand that we are not good enough and we never will be, but by His grace, through Jesus Christ, we can still go to the Father as His sons and daughters and in His embrace, we truly start to change from the inside out. And lastly, we must humble ourselves and embrace the lost. We cannot be like the older son. We cannot be like him who looked down on sinners. We are sinners. We are saved by grace alone. 
There was nothing we ever did to deserve forgiveness. Nothing. We must believe this. And in humility, we must embrace the lost just like the Father embraced us who are lost. I love our church. I love our church. Why? Because there are so many holy art thou Christians in this room right now? No. I love our church because we have people who are vulnerable. We have people who are broken. We have people who struggle because I'm vulnerable. I'm broken. And I struggle every single day. But you are my people because you embrace me even when I was lost. And you embrace me even when I'm vulnerable and broken, I'm struggling. We must embrace the lost. We must embrace the lost because everything we have has been given to us by God, even our faith. It is by God's grace and His grace alone that every single one of us are here today. We must believe that it is not by chance that we are living in Sydney, Australia in 2023, that we are born into families we were born into, surrounded by the friends we are surrounded by, living in the neighborhoods we live in, working in the company we work for, studying in the school we study in, going to the gym that we go to or the cafe or the restaurant, whatever it may be, we must believe that this is not by chance because there are so many people around us in our lives who are lost. And God has put them right where they need to be. Just like God has put us right where we need to be. And we are called to embrace them. Church, we need to be outward thinking. We cannot just do church within these four walls. We must be the church wherever we are. And wherever we go, we must embrace the loss. Because God embraces us who are lost. So friends, are you currently lost? Have you placed your trust in the world, in someone or something? Or have you put your trust in your own self-righteousness and it has let you down? Friends, we need to wake up and come to our senses. We need to humble ourselves and repent. We need to humble ourselves and come to the Father just as we are. And we must humble ourselves and embrace the lost around you. Because our true older brother, Jesus Christ, has found us. And through him, we can go to our Father, who is patiently waiting for us to return. He's waiting to run to us. He's waiting to hug us and kiss us to clothe us in his robe and welcome us back to him as his sons, as his daughters. So friends, I pray that through our true older brother, Jesus Christ, we will find our way back to our Father who is patiently waiting for us to return back home. Let's pray.